We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Tuesday evening edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. We are back. Nick Whalen joined by Alex Barutha. Alex, we took a full week off from doing podcasts for the first time in a very long time. I don't know that I've gone more than a week without speaking to you about the NBA in like two or three years. Um, but I was just telling you off air. It, it felt good. It, it, you know, we, we took it during a time where the only thing going on in the league basically is a couple stray free agency signings and the tail end of summer league which is awesome for the first couple of days. And then by the time you get to like day eight of summer league, at least in my opinion, it, it, it starts to wear on you a little bit, but man, it is good to be back. We have a full slate of topics to talk about. Um, what, what have you been doing the last week? How much summer league have you been watching? I haven't watched a ton of summer league. I've mostly been like catching the highlights and, um, you know, keeping an eye on the stats. I mean, we have obligations for NBA.com. So I just like, um, I just like absorb a lot of knowledge passively. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been tuning in a lot? I have. I uh, I have a new office set up as of like three or four weeks ago, uh, oh, which nice. finally includes like I've always had a TV in my office area, but like in my previous apartment, there just wasn't a great setup for having it on at all times. And I was like sometimes carrying it into the living room to have two TVs going <laughs> and I didn't want to carry it back. So like now that I finally have a permanent TV set up in here, I've, I've had pretty much summer league games going on like from two o'clock on because that's that's when they've started these last few weeks um so i've i've like like you said i've passively absorbed a lot of these games um you know being on calls and doing pods and videos and whatnot i I usually don't have the sound on so there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of like oh i remember seeing that guy like oh is that scalabissier is that uh, (laughs) um i remember that guy from the 2015 draft what is he doing in summer league but um yeah I, i feel like i've been more engaged than usual partially because Summer League typically takes place during our annual Las Vegas trip for, for Rotowire. And even though, you know, we keep an eye on it, we usually go out there for a day and watch games. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, to, to be engaged on like the full schedule when you're out there. 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Vegas is not the ideal place to be, especially if you're not there specifically for yes, that. Despite Summer League taking place in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> arguably the worst place to watch it is where it is. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but it's, it's been fun. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me, um, we, we can just go, we'll go right into Summer League now, and then we'll we'll, we'll hit on, you know, Dennis Schroeder in Boston, Patrick Beverly being traded for the second time in, in two days, uh, the Marcus Smart extension, some of the schedule announcements that came out today. But uh, Summer League is on my list of topics, so let's hit it. I, I think this has been a, a really fun Summer League. As usual, there's the the requisite amount of sloppiness. Uh, the Bucks had, I think, 27 turnovers in a 40-minute game yesterday. Uh, that that has not really been out of the ordinary uh, as, as you kind of throw together a bunch of guys who've never played together. But it, it kind of reminds me of the, the, the NFL rookie class uh, of quarterbacks who we just saw this past weekend where like pretty much everybody looked good. And, and you can even lump like Jordan Love from the Packers into that crew. I feel like that's been the case with, with the top prospects that we've been monitoring in Las Vegas. Like, you know, some of the guys, Suggs, Green, um, you know, even Matt, Evan Mobley, like some of those guys only played three or four games, but pretty much everybody has looked really impressive so far. There, there hasn't been someone where you're like, oh boy, this, this looks like it might be a disaster. Um, you know, the guys who, who we thought maybe would struggle a little bit, Davion Mitchell, um, you know, from an offensive perspective, he's been a monster on D. You know, Franz Wagner has struggled a little bit uh, with Orlando. But, you know, those were those were kind of the guys that we thought might have some issues. I, I think for the most part, you know, especially Cunningham, Green, Suggs, Mobley, um, I, I've been really impressed with those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's well, this is a nice um, this isn't really a change of pace. But last year we didn't get summer league. So we didn't even right. get to see those guys go through this. So it's it's kind of fun, like. I kind of forgot how how fun it was to actually see these prospects like before they step on an NBA court. Um, and you're right, like there hasn't been a ton of disappointments. Like a lot of guys have bad shooting percentages, but like they're just there to chuck up shots, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some guys who aren't rookies, like Patrick Williams, has looked great for the Bulls, even though his shooting percentage again is is not great. Um, you know, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin um, have just been like combining for 40 points a game. Um, there's there's been a lot of like the the sophomores who are in uh, summer league are are often just as interesting. A hundred percent, and those are the guys who typically look like they're overqualified, and and that has absolutely been the case this year. Uh, quickly, top in, um, I, those are the first guys that came to mind for me as well. Like Desmond Bain uh, for Memphis, has, right. I'm surprised he's even playing, but he's looked awesome. Um, you know, quickly's had some ups and downs. He had a terrible shooting night uh, in their final game, but. It, it, it's really, really clear how big of an advantage it is spending one year in an NBA system. And obviously quickly was like a 20 minute per game guy, but you know, Obi Toppin didn't have a huge role for the Knicks, but just being around the team and, and being in that training system, playing against those guys in practices, um, it makes a huge difference. What have you thought of Cam Thomas, by the way, for the Nets? Not, not in the same category as those other guys we mentioned, you know, in terms of the elite prospects coming into the draft, but he leads all scorers in Vegas, 27 points per game, um, 36% from three, 42% from the field. He's pretty much doing exactly what he was doing at LSU. He's not passing the ball. He's not rebounding. He's not shooting the greatest percentage, but you know he's getting to the line like 10 times per game. Um, kind of, I, I feel like what you'd like to see. You know, obviously down the road you hope that he becomes a more complete player. But given what the Nets are looking at for the next, you know, certainly next year and for the next three, four, five years with that core. You know, if he can just be this guy that comes in and, you know, develops into like a, a Jordan Clarkson type of six man eventually, um, and it's it's super, super early. We'll see if it carries over to real NBA games. But 
I, I think if you're the Nets, you have to be thrilled with with how much it's already carried over from college to summer league. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> you mentioned his passing. Like he he has twice as many turnovers as assists essentially. Yeah. But you know, when the when the Nets drafted him, it was one of those things where you're wondering like, do they really need like another scorer type? Like <laughs> you have the big three. Like, do you have to like grab some guy? Shouldn't you be looking for like three and D players? Maybe a big. Um, but I don't know. I think a lot of people thought he could have went earlier. And if you have an opportunity to get someone as talented, uh, at scoring as him, like with the 27th pick, um, I think you just, you just do it and worry about the rest later. Uh, mm-hmm. cause like you mentioned, getting a guy that talented that late, just from a scoring perspective, like every team is looking for that six man off the bench, you know, that Jamal Crawford, the Lou Williams type. So if you can just draft that guy like that, that, uh, alleviates a lot of the pressure of like trying to find someone in free agency that does the same thing, even though they already kind of got one after with Patty Mills. Um, right. So the Cam Thomas Patty Mills backup backcourt, I think, will play a lot of very uh, fun minutes. Uh, I guess <laughs> he's he's everything that like I wanted Marshawn Brooks to be, and Marshawn Brooks too had like he had like a 42 point game in summer league, so maybe he hasn't even matched that yet, but. We'll see. I mean, there's there's so many of these guys that we get excited about now, and then we'll look back at the end of the year, and they'll have played in like 21 games and spend half the year in the G League. Um, and when you're playing for the Brooklyn Nets, that might be the case with Cam Thomas. But I also think with him, there's a pretty good chance that we're gonna look back in a few years and be like, how did they? How did we let the Nets get this guy? Like, how did no one else take him? Uh, uh, you know, ahead of the Nets. And I think most teams are looking for someone who's a little more complete, um, someone who projects as you know a better defender, a better passer, all that. But Man, I mean, the Nets are pretty much stocked up with all those things. And when you can just add a guy who, you know, potentially down the road could be like a 15-point-a-game scorer off the bench, uh, that's that, that's just huge. Right. There have already been a couple of guys who are like, how did this guy slip? You know, like yeah. Sharif Cooper for Atlanta. That one kind of oh, sticks God, out. Yeah. Although I think he only got a two-way deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even Garza talking, uh, going as far as he did. I know I was messaging you on Slack saying, like, is he the most decorated player to go, like, 50 something and I know he's not going to be like his upside might be very good backup but sometimes it is surprising when guys go so late they play so well in summer league and even during the draft people are like there's no reason this guy should be going late second round yeah I mean I don't have a ton to say about Garza although the fact that he has completely transformed his body and I think he's down like 30 pounds um, I mean he looks like a, a completely different guy like that's that's actually something to keep an eye on because talent wise, scoring wise, um, I mean, he was as good as anybody in college basketball the last two years, but he's just, he's on that list of guys who would have been the number one pick in 1988, but just, just can't have that same kind of impact today. Like, you know, like it was, it's like crazy to me that Jalil Okafor went in the top five as recently as like 2015, you know? And I I don't know. it, It does feel like teams have learned their lesson at the same time. It's, it's possible that teams are going too far the other way, right? Where, yes. you know, you're looking at this guy and saying like, well, he, he just, he'll, there's really no way that he'll ever become like a star in the NBA. So we're just not going to take him. And when you get to like, what was he, the 52nd pick, 54th, whatever you just said, um, then it becomes worth it, you know, because half the guys in the second round are never going to play more than a year or two in the NBA. And, and at least with Garza, you know what you're getting, you know, he's going to be steady. Um, at, the, at the same time though, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't expect him to to ever be somebody that we're talking about as like you need to draft this guy on your fantasy team. Yeah, I think maybe there has been kind of an overcorrection on that type of player because you think about guys like even like a guy in the, his same team, Kelly Olenek, 
who by all means is just like an offensively uh, tilted big man who like is not great on defense. Like I know Olenek has more like abilities as a passer and stuff like that, but he's made himself a really good career. Even guys like Frank Kaminsky just continue to get contracts as a backup, even if it's as a third big. So I do think the correction was a little too much and maybe it was partially a result of teams. You know, the salaries are so high, even for rookies at this point, that could have been an issue. But I think if you're a team like Detroit, this is the perfect guy to, to like take a chance on. Right. At the end of the day, the upside's not huge, but there's always going to be a market for smart reserve big men who know their role. Um, and I, I think that's pretty much exactly where Luca Garza stands at this time, but um, it's going to be a fun story to track, if nothing else, just given his profile at the college level. Is there anyone else who stood out to you in Vegas? I, I know Jalen Johnson was a name that, that I was watching. Uh, obviously, he's a Wisconsin guy um, from the Madison area, played a little bit in Milwaukee as well, uh, and then spent some time at Duke. But I thought he looked really, really good. Um, you know, had, I think, at least two triple doubles or triple doubles, double doubles, um, averaged almost a double double, 19 points, nine and a half rebounds through four games, was at 57% from the field, 40 plus percent from three on relatively low attempts, 80% at the line. I had said coming into the draft that he was always a player who struck me as somebody who would just be better in the NBA than in college. Um, Like if you watch him a lot in college, he was somebody who, uh, you know, at his time at at Duke, like he was great in the open court, you know, when things slow down and, you know, you're you're a little bit more compact, you have a shorter three-point line, shorter key, uh, in college basketball, like he just wasn't as effective. But I, I think when you, when you spread things out, the way that the NBA spaces, um, he's a crazy, crazy athlete um, in terms of you know getting up, getting to the rim. I, I feel like he's just a little bit better suited, much like Cam Reddish, who obviously is now going into his third year with Atlanta. Um, I, I feel like he has a chance to, to be on that same trajectory where a lot of people were down on Jalen Johnson coming out of Duke. A lot of people were down on Cam Reddish coming out of Duke. And then once they got to the NBA, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect transition for Reddish, but it, it, it just kind of seemed like that type of game is, is more suited to his style of play. Yeah, I don't know much about Jalen Johnson, but he does. I mean, his his path to the NBA, I mean, he went to IMG Academy, which is obviously huge for high school and then goes mm-hmm. to Duke. And I feel like it's it's pretty often that if you just draft a guy based on those merits, like late um, in the first round or even in the second round, like there's always a good chance they work out. Um, I don't know. I was kind of like interested <laughs> I was I was interested in Josh Primo just because it was such a bizarre pick and I wanted yeah. to see if he was going to turn out to do anything crazy in summer league. He did not. He looked pretty bad. Um, full bowl just because of the <laughs> just the insane nature of his game was interesting. Um, last guy I think for me was Scotty Barnes just because I think he's a yeah. really fascinating player. Um, you know, to move into Toronto system, some people think he might be a little redundant. Uh, or might clash with Siakam's skill set just in terms of like neither of them are great shooters, but they both can do a little bit of everything. Um, and he was all right. Um, you know, good he, good rebounding numbers, passed, got some defensive numbers. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic about him. Yeah, me too. I mean, he had that that big game right away. Um, I think he had like 18, 10, and five, and played well on defense. He's had a couple big defensive games in summer league. That that one looks like it's going to be. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say they're vindicated. That I feel like it's way too early for that. But I think there was a lot of like, okay, you have an obvious like really good player here in Jalen Suggs. Like you're kind of rolling the dice on Scotty Scotty Barnes, and I feel like he's played well enough in Vegas to at least take some of the heat off of that pick. Um, and and at the same time, there wasn't that much heat because Toronto, I think, has kind of 
moved into that Spurs like territory where, you know, if it's the Kings making that pick, it's everybody's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you passed on subs. But because it's Toronto, they get some of the benefit of the doubt, but he's looked good. Um, Trey Murphy for the Pelicans. I, I mean, I, I kind of thought he would be just more of a Cam Johnson, you know, spot up in the corner, you know, knock down 40, 45% of those and then go home. But I mean, he's given them like seven rebounds a game. He had a game with seven assists in Vegas. He's at, at about three assists per game. Um, you know, almost two steals per game over a block per game. Um, he's just, he's just like way more impactful as an overall player than I realized. And and I think maybe part of that is just the system that he played in at Virginia. Yeah. Didn't get to the free throw line a lot in, in summer no. league, but that's something that again, like when he's playing in the NBA, he may just end up being relegated to kind of a three and D guy. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we've talked about before um, I think, you know, when we recap free agency, how bad the Pelicans depth is in general still. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up finding like real minutes for them, um, you know, depending on how much they still, because would you, I mean, I guess he's a wing. So it's like, how much is Garrett Temple going to play? They have Sarah Ransky, Josh Hart just resigned. It's a lot of like marginal depth. So he, he'll, yeah. I think he'll certainly have an opportunity to prove that he's worthy of at least like 15 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, it, it runs out pretty quickly. Like you you mentioned pretty much all the names of players who could potentially be in that ring, wing <laughs> rotation. And we, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Josh Hart ends up starting for this team. You know, I mean, if you if you throw him in at shooting guard and then, you know, maybe it's Alexander Walker, maybe it's Graham at point guard. Um, I, I have a feeling Josh Hart will kind of just be a, a super six man who could play three different positions. Um, but, but we'll see. I mean, and, and Garrett Temple, a nice piece. You know, one of those guys who would be like the eighth man on every team in the league. But we're going to see, I think, kind of what their priorities are. Like, I think right now, going into the year, New Orleans wants to win and wants to make the playoffs for, for obvious reasons. But I think you and I and, and a lot of people probably agree that this roster might ultimately not be good enough to do that. And, you know, if, if halfway through the season they come to terms with that fact, then, you know, maybe we see a, a scenario where Trey Murphy is, is you know, one of the leaders in minutes among rookies, which I, I don't think I would have predicted that a few weeks ago. But and it's not even really about how well he's played. It's just, like you said, it's just this kind of overall glaring lack of depth that this team has. Yeah, they kind of have a lack of specialists, too. Like, Josh Hart, Garrett Temple, and Sagaransky are all, like, three-position all-around players who don't exceed at anything, except Josh Hart's rebounding for his size. So yeah. if Murphy can step out there and be a legitimate 3 and D wing, then, you know, that's something that they, they definitely need. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner 
for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Isaiah Miller from the Timberwolves. I don't know if you have watched Isaiah Miller whatsoever. Um, he is a rookie out of UNC Greensboro. He is a two-time Southern Conference Player of the Year, three-time Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Year. And I, I think probably the craziest athlete that I've seen in Las Vegas, they list him at six six foot even. I think he's maybe a little taller than that. But he has like and one mixtape type of bounce. Like that is just like jumps off the page. I, I started going down the rabbit hole uh, of his college highlights. And I mean, he is a an absolute beast, like defensively, especially. Um, the one thing is he's like a 20% shooter from three. So chances are that's going to be a pretty big hindrance uh, in the modern NBA. But I really hope Isaiah Miller makes a roster just because he he would be an unbelievably fun player to have in the league like the type of guy that would potentially win a dunk contest as a rookie yeah as you were saying that I, I went to go type in his highlights on youtube and uh they are very impressive and, like the first thing you, when his uh, name pops up the augophil just says dunk uh yes. so yeah he's out there that's the guy <laughs> yeah i mean those type of guys i think are always really fascinating where they're in a smaller conference but they're like the best player for multiple years in, in the conference Um, And just to see how they fare on an NBA court uh, is really interesting. And obviously, like, there is some potential for those guys to to step up and do well. Like, even John Morant, you know, started off um, at a smaller school and ended up working his way through. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, this, you know, he's nowhere near a John Morant level prospect. But no, that's exactly what I thought, too. It's like, yeah, there's something to be said for, you know, a player who you you don't have to be the best player at Kentucky or Duke. You know, you're there and... Um, you know, you're playing higher level of competition. You're probably a big recruit in high school. Um, that That's all well and good. But I, I think there are guys who mature a little bit later and all of a sudden, you know, four years after high school, you know, you're the three-time defensive player of the year, two-time reigning player of the year in the conference. Um, I, I, I would hope that the John Morant and the Damian Lillards of the world, like, start to open more doors for, for guys like that to get chances. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, like I said, who knows if Miller even makes a roster, but uh, that was one guy who is kind of an under-the-radar type of player who, who really caught my eye. Let's go to some of the the kind of stragglers in free agency. You know, we had all those moves right when free agency opened a couple weeks ago. Uh, and again, if you want a recap of that, check out our outstanding free agency article that tracked virtually every single move that's come through uh, with fantasy analysis. But uh, a little later in the game, we had Dennis Schroeder finally tail between his legs, signing with the Boston Celtics. A uh, few months after turning down, I think, what was it, like a almost $90 million deal or maybe a little yeah. over $90 million with the Lakers? I thought it was 84 but yeah, basically $90 million. Yeah, uh, bet on himself. Normally when you hear somebody betting on themselves, it's like a, a cool story of how it worked out. Uh, in this case, that is that is not the scenario whatsoever. He took the taxpayer mid-level, which I think is like 5.9 mil for next year. I, I, I like it for the Celtics. I mean, it, it's a great value pickup. Um, obviously after parting ways with Kemba, they had a little bit of a hole, um, and, and they re-signed Marcus Smart yesterday. So they, they somewhat filled that and, you know, they brought in Josh Richardson, but I, I mean, for Shooter, it's obviously a, a major loss. I think he's a guy who clearly thought he was going to get something in like the 90 to hundred range over four or five years. He has to settle for this, but I mean, what a godsend for the Celtics. So it's not like Shooter is coming off of the, the greatest year of his career, but uh, two, three years ago, I mean, he was, he was, you know, I, I feel like at his peak you know after after toiling as a backup for a few years um had that great year in okc and and i do think his value took a little bit of a hit with the lakers but all of a sudden on paper i mean this celtics roster 
you know, I feel like they took a lot of heat for the way that that last season ended and, you know, the relative lack of moves this offseason. But, I mean, if you're rolling out Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Robert Williams, uh, that's probably not a, a championship level starting five, but it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Celtics King Schroeder. I mean, relatively speaking, they basically got him for nothing. And he's, you know, he's either a low-level starter or a high-level backup. He's kind of on that weird six-man fringe where you could give him like 29 minutes a game but yeah I mean the, compared to like starting off the season with Peyton Pritchard at point guard or you know whatever else they were going to do I mean they picked up Chris Dunn and it seemed like they were actually going to need Chris Dunn and they still might because you know Boston's depth uh is not great so this actually helps them I think a lot more than people will probably give them credit for just because they they just needed like bodies who are capable of playing 30 minutes a game um uh, and Schroeder, you know, Schroeder's not going to have to handle the ball a ton because obviously Brown and Tatum, uh, and even Al Horford, you know, is going to be playing kind of that uh, top of the key passer distributor role. So I think this is a great spot for him, even if it's for only a year. Yeah, huge get for Boston. Uh, if nothing else, you know, just adding depth, like you said, having a guy who's who's comfortable coming off the bench, comfortable starting, you know, can kind of play both guard spots, especially if the shot is falling. Um what, what do you make of these deals involving Patrick Beverly uh, and Rajon Rondo uh, the, the last couple of days? Beverly traded twice in 48 hours. He now lands in Minnesota, uh, ostensibly as the replacement for Ricky Rubio, who I keep forgetting is technically part of the Cleveland Cavaliers for now. Uh, that, that seems like potentially a reroute at some point. Um, but it sounds like the, the Timberwolves want to hold on to Beverly. You know, he, he ended up in Memphis. And right away, you know, right after the, the trade was announced, Woj tacked on a tweet saying, you know, the Grizzlies are open to, to moving all these players, which basically means they're going to move them. Um, we'll see what happens with Rondo, but I, I, I kind of like the fit for Beverly. Uh, I, I think he's more of a name at this point than, you know, what he's provided on the court the last couple of years, mostly due to injury. But I think Minnesota is a team that has kind of been wanting someone like him, somebody who's going to hold a lot of these guys accountable, um, you know, even if he is injured, even if he's not making a huge impact on the court. Um, and I think somebody who at this point in his career probably knows his role and will be fairly willing to accept that. Yeah, I think you're right, because um, I feel like the Wolves have, despite having Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony and Anthony Edwards as like their you know, big two, I guess, if you want to call it, um, I feel like they still have no identity. And Patrick Beverly can at least help you build an identity. And I don't think they're going to be a great defensive team, but. I mean, they do have some defensive pieces. You know, Jared Vanderbilt's really good on defense. Uh, Beasley is pretty good there. And, you know, Beverly. I don't think this, like, moves the needle for them. I still have a lot of concerns about the Timberwolves and, like, an unreasonable amount of their franchise's future relies on Anthony Edwards um, and also D'Angelo Russell, like, being, you know, um, good enough on offense to offset his bad defense. But, I don't know. I, I thought the more fascinating part of like this whole uh, trade was just the Wolves just giving up Jared Culver, just sending Jared Culver to yeah. Memphis and Memphis basically getting Jared Culver for free. And I know Culver has been bad, but if you're Memphis and you basically just gave up, uh, you know, uh, long ways like Eric Bledsoe for Jared Culver, that's a huge win just from a development, like getting young guys on your roster standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a major loss for Minnesota, obviously, like anytime you have to admit defeat on a guy who you drafted six overall two years ago, it's not a great look. 
Um, I, I've been impressed with Memphis, like the amount of wheeling and dealing that the Grizzlies yeah. have done. I mean, dating back to, you know, having Eric Bledsoe on the roster briefly and, and flipping Valanciunas for Steven Adams. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of teams, especially ascending teams like Memphis, aren't really willing to take those risks. Like it, it feels like they've hit on pretty much everybody over these last few drafts, you know, from from Morant to Desmond Bain. Um, I mean, Brandon Clark is kind of in the middle now. You know, it, it looked like that was going to be a big hit coming into last year. Obviously, he tailed off a little bit. But it, like everybody that's playing for them seems to be getting better. Um, you know, even all the way down to like the DeAnthony Meltons of the world. And, and we'll see what happens with Zaire Williams. But the amount of moves like that they've been willing to make here, um, it, it looks like they're trying to clear room, I think, for next summer. We'll see who, who that target is. You know, obviously being in Memphis, you don't have the greatest chance to to land another star. But I think guys want to play with John Morant. And I think they've shown, even in this short time, that since getting Morant, like it, it kind of feels like it's just been a full regime change where Memphis has gone from this team that really didn't do a whole lot and was just kind of content to to make the first round or maybe make the second round for basically a decade and a half. All of a sudden, they're the team that's being really proactive about trying to improve. Yeah, they're a really interesting, like, case of, you know, making sure you don't get too good too quickly and kind of messing up the whole, like, flow of the de- uh, your development. Um, you know, they, I, I, despite Zaire Williams, some people not liking that pick, uh, thinking that they were too aggressive in trading up for 17 and Valanciunas and all that, like, you know, Valanciunas for Steven Adams, like, for a team that is not trying that hard, that move is essentially meaningless and getting the guy you want, I think is better for your organization. Um, but I don't, the thing is they have a ton of young guys, but I don't think they're married to anyone outside of Morant, Jaron Jackson, and maybe Dylan Brooks. So if they are looking for like free agency or they're going to try a package, a ton of young guys for either another wing or for an actual like center of the future, they have the potential to do that. Yeah, they're, they're in a great spot and they, you know, un- unlike, I was going to say they're their rival. I don't think the Pelicans are their rival by any means, but <laughs> geographically, their rival, they they aren't under the same pressure. You know, like both those guys, like Morant and Zion, were drafted on the same night, and in theory are in similar timetables. And there's been all this like crazy urgency and criticism of what the Pelicans have done around Zion, and like Memphis has gotten none of that. And, and maybe it's because they made the playoffs last year. They were right there the year before. Um, they've they've been the more competent team certainly, but. Um, you know, it's it's just interesting that they've you know kind of had these two completely divergent paths where New Orleans is, is also in the same boat where they're they're trying to improve. Like they've they've made a ton of moves over the last couple of years, but you know, while we're praising Memphis for what they've put around Morant, it feels like it's kind of gone the other way. Um, you know, when when you talk about what's now around Zion in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean those teams are always going to be linked together, uh, based yeah. on, you know, that that draft. Um, and I'm sure like, you know, I mean, they're going to be fighting for playoff spots because again, like they're kind of in the same tier of team right now. So, um, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they both kind of navigate their draft picks. All right, let's talk, uh, schedule announcements. So we, we got a partial schedule today. I believe the full schedule will be coming to us on Friday, but we got a lot of the big national TV games. we got the opening night games. Uh, we got Christmas day, of course. Uh, opening night, Nets, Bucks, Warriors, Lakers. I, I think that was if if you polled like 100 NBA people as to what the matchups would be, I feel like that would be those would have been like almost the unanimous choices, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no surprises there. Uh, so not a lot to say. I mean, those are juicy matchups for obvious reasons. Christmas Day games. I I'm okay with these. 
usually there's like one where you're like, do we really need to shoehorn the Pelicans on the Christmas day? I, I believe we got Pelicans bucks last year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I, I don't remember, honestly. I think we did. The Pelicans were involved and they are not this yeah. year. Uh, but we have Hawks Knicks. These games are in order of their television schedule. Hawks Knicks, Celtics Bucks, Warriors Suns, Nets Lakers, Mavs Jazz. Do you have any qualms? No qualms. Um, Warriors Suns is kind of fascinating to me. Just uh, just in general, like those two teams and where they could end up in the standings. You know, because I think the Warriors. It doesn't have to turn into this discussion necessarily, but I've heard some people say, you know, the Warriors have the potential to be the two seed this year. I mean, maybe. The, I think the, I think after the Lakers number one, like the West is pretty wide open for the second seed. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a really fascinating matchup. And Babs Jazz is kind of a, it's weird. It feels like kind of a, um, like a very lukewarm, like nightcap, right? Mavs. It seems like everyone's just going to be like, eh. Yeah, Maybe that's I'll, how it always is. I'll spend, they always have to spend time with West. the family. <laughs> yeah, they always have to pick like a mountain or Pacific time zone game for that one. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's still going to be a good game, right? Doncic and going up against the Mavericks or yeah. going up against the Jazz. But I think it's one that a lot of NBA fans will just kind of not watch. Yeah, that's the one where you're either asleep or you're driving back from your aunt's house or, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm usually willing to sacrifice the fifth game of the day. But I mean, the way they set it up, it's, you know, the first game is usually a relatively big one just because it, it comes on at like 11 a.m. our time, yeah. like right around noon. You know, maybe people are around the table. People are around the TV. And then Nets Lakers, like the fourth game is always the marquee. That one usually starts at like 7 p.m. Um, or whatever is like the closest to prime time for most viewers. So so Nets Lakers obviously gets that slot. You know, I, I think it's interesting that the league is pretty much avoiding all of the volatile situations. Like yeah. I, I thought Sixers Bucks would have been on the table. But we still don't know what's up with Ben Simmons or what that team's going to look like. Um, you know, Denver, I, I think, you know, they have the reigning MVP. They're a fun team, um, but no Jamal Murray. Portland, I, I think a team that that maybe could have vied for, like, a, a spot in that final game. Like, Mavs, Blazers, or Blazers, Jazz, that wouldn't have been too out of place. Um, and then the Pelicans that we just talked about, um, a team that played on Christmas Day last year. They have by far the most marketable young star in the league, a, a guy in Zion that the NBA loves pushing on you as much as possible. They get left off as well. But the, the Blazers and Sixers, I, I think, were the, the two most interesting for me because the, they at least meet the criteria of having like a A-plus level superstar in Embiid and Lillard and being good enough the last couple of years that they're they're relevant enough to put in one of these games. Yeah, I think part of the issue is don't they always, it, aren't like Knicks, Celtics, Lakers always on Christmas? And so you only have so much room to work with. Yeah, true, true. I mean, and yeah, they try to balance it east to west as well. Um, yeah, I'm not mad about any of the matchups. So like, it's hard to say you would necessarily replace. Like, I love the Hawks Knicks game. I think that's perfect. Um, yeah. Celtics Bucks. Yeah, you probably could have put the 76ers in there. I think against Milwaukee. I think that probably would have been the better call. And um, I may have wanted to see Portland Utah instead of Dallas Utah. But like you mentioned, like. Yeah, league doesn't want to take any chances with guys moving or even like guys who are super injury prone, I think. Yeah, I, I think Miami, too, is, the, is another omission. Yep. It, it definitely could have been heat bucks. I don't think anyone would have complained about that. I, I think it was right. just a pretty much just a choice by the league to go with Boston. Um, you know, maybe you get a, a little bit more of an inherent built in fan base with the Celtics. I, the two teams that would have been kind of heat check inclusions for me, uh, Chicago, which yeah. you know, I, I think is the team that probably 
made the most noise this offseason, bringing in Lonzo. Every, you know, there's a, a huge audience, um, despite how his career has gone. Like he's still a, a marquee draw, just in terms of, you know, how many people, especially on the West Coast, follow him and, and follow his family. And, and the other one is Charlotte. I think that would have been that would have been the the equivalent of the NBA putting the Pelicans on Christmas Day last year is like really trying to go all in and capitalize on the LaMelo hype. Yeah, I think um, that'd be it. I mean, if you had those two, two teams play each other, Bulls, Hornets, I mean, that'd be a super entertaining game. But <laughs> the problem is there would be like zero stakes, right? Like it's yeah. like, who's going to get the seven seed? Right, right. That, that would probably go down as like the worst Christmas Day matchup of all time. So I, I yes. understand why they <laughs> went away from it. But I mean, you could have done like, Hornets Bucks or Hornets Celtics. I don't. I don't think you can have those two teams play each other. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Magic yeah, like, yeah, like Chicago versus Milwaukee will at least like make sense, right? Uh, like geographically and everything like yeah. that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Well, let's look at the the lines, I believe, are up for at least the opening night games. Uh, Brooklyn at Milwaukee is a pick'em, and the Lakers are favored by four and a half over the Golden State Warriors. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I think both of those seem right to me. I mean, if you made me lean, I mean, Bucks are at home, but if you made me lean in Brooklyn, Milwaukee, I'd take Brooklyn just because everyone's going to be healthy. We kind of saw yep. what would have been the case last year if everyone had been healthy for Brooklyn. Um, and I would not be scared of taking the Lakers line either, um, to cover four and a half, just because I think the, I mean, it may not matter as much like for one game, but the depth that they have compared to the Warriors, like when the Warriors run out their bench unit um, compared to the Lakers bench unit, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a problem. But um, you never know, because like 
we don't know how Kaminga and Moody are going to look in the context of an NBA game. Like Kaminga's had some great highlights in summer league. Again, they have Otto Porter and um, the elites. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Bielitsa playing small ball five over yeah. James Wiseman. Um, but I, I would, you could convince me on either, um, on either side of that Warriors Lakers game, yeah. honestly. I, I will be betting the Warriors in that game. For one, Le- LeBron teams always seem to lose like the big marquee opening night game. And like LeBron always sucks in those games and they score like 80 points and it's just a mess. Um, and this will be the first real game with trying to integrate Russell Westbrook and essentially an entirely new cast of role players. So, you know, the Warriors are, are reintegrating Clay. Um, like you mentioned, you know, they'll, they'll have the two rookies who probably play small roles uh, out of Porter. But I, I think the Lakers, it's going to take a while before they start to look like the, the team that I think a lot of people think they can become. Whereas with Golden State, like you're bringing back a piece in Clay who pretty much makes everybody else's job easier. Like I think integrating Russ to any team is like the hardest thing you can do from a player acquisition standpoint. And integrating Clay is like the easiest thing you can do. True. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to, we still kind of, we don't really know on Thompson yet, just in terms of like where exactly he's at in his rehab, right? So that's kind of an interesting, you know, if you were going to bet that, that'd be a tough line to take, not knowing exactly where he's at. But um, I, I agree with you overall, like the the Lakers will have a lot of things to iron out. Like it would not be surprised me if the Lakers started off like six and six or something like that. Um, and then, you know, eventually in the middle of the season, just got the wind in their sails and, and took off. But yeah, there's there's potential for them to have a slow start, despite the, I mean, they have a ton of top end talent and they have a ton of depth, but um, it's not the, it's not necessarily the smoothest um, fit. Let's take a look at some of the new futures bets that are up at the sports books. Uh, we'll just go through a few. We'll, we'll do at least one podcast, probably probably multiple, uh, over these next couple of weeks, just breaking down, um, you know, everything from team futures, player futures, you know, these these opening night games. Um, but we have, you know, we've had MVP and Rookie of the Year, things like that. Uh, title odds have been up for a while. But now we have Defensive Player of the Year odds. We have Sixth Man of the Year. We have Coach of the Year. We have Most Improved Player. Um, Rookie of the Year has been updated a little bit now that we know, you know, the teams. And then we've had some Summer League exposure to these guys. I, I want to start with Most Improved Player because I think this is always really interesting. And this was a great race last season. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., Opens as the favorite at six to one. SGA seven to one. Zion plus seven fifty. Kevin Porter eight to one. Zach Levine and Colin Sexton are both at twelve to one. Christian Wood fourteen to one. Jaron Jackson fourteen to one. Jalen Brown sixteen to one. Chris Boucher, De'Aaron Fox, and John Collins all eighteen to one. Um, I mean, there's like fifty guys you could bet. I can keep going. Uh, Kyle Anderson's at plus a hundred or plus fifteen thousand. Um, so you can pretty much bet on any player in the league for this award, but any of those names that I rattled off, like does any, anyone jump out to you? Do any of those guys feel out of place? You, I don't think you could convince me to bet on SGA, for example. I just think his team is so bad. He's already really good. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. is interesting just because I think his stats, he had really good stretches last season, but his stats from last year aren't so amazing that he doesn't have room to improve now how much he's going to get the ball on that team you know when they when they happen to be healthy is that's another story um i think i think honestly i think this is an award where the more fun names uh are farther down the list and they aren't necessarily like bad bets either um like i could see darius gar like maybe darius garland takes a step forward um you know he's a yeah, third year guy now 
Yeah, uh, 20 to 1. Lonzo Ball at 25 to 1 is kind of interesting. I don't expect him to just turn into like a, a real like offensive player and average like 17 a game. But I mean, you know, you never know. And he's been in the league long enough and put up the same <laughs> stats for long enough to where if he has any sort of like meaningful bump, um, he could be on there. And Keldon Johnson at 30 to 1 will have a chance with the Spurs, I think, to be like a huge uh, part of their offense. I wouldn't necessarily bet that, but it's interesting. Um, is there anybody else on there that that you feel like you would you feel like is a great bet or like even maybe an awful bet. I think Levine would be an awful bet personally, but that's just me. Yeah, he's too good, and there's too many pieces coming in around him that right. if the Bulls make a big leap, it's you know it's not going to be credited to him. Like and his stat, like he kind, I feel like he almost maxed out like what he can do yes. in terms of individual stats um, last season. So I, I wouldn't bet him. I, I mean Halliburton at 25 to one is pretty interesting. Um, I think John Morant even at 30 to one. You know, it feels like maybe he's too good to win this award, but I feel like I've gone over this on the pod a number of times. Like the guys who win this award are, are basically all-star caliber players who go on to become, you know, even better. Like Paul George has won this award. Giannis has won this award. Uh, like the worst player to win this award in a while is like CJ McCollum, which is, is saying a lot. Like that's a borderline all-star and a guy who, if he was in the East, would probably have like three or four all-star appearances already. Um, so I think Morant, you know, if, if Memphis becomes like the fifth best team in the West and he starts shooting more threes like he did at the end of the year and, you know, is able to stay healthy. I, I think there'd be a lot of momentum behind him. Um, Jordan Poole, for some reason, is 30 to one. I, I would not recommend betting that. He has better odds than LaMelo Ball, Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Ayton, D'Angelo Russell. That's that's kind of insane. Um, I, I Actually, this is my favorite bet. DeJounte Murray at 50 to one. I, ju- I just clicked that. <laughs> that's absurd. That That's a great bet. Yeah, I was going from bottom to top to basically do what you were doing um, yeah, and say, like, who I is the... That. Yeah, 50 to one's awesome for him. Again, like I said with Kelton Johnson, I mean, this is the this is the better version of that bet um, where it's basically his team now. And he's shown he's shown enough at this point where you should have confidence in him. Like, if he yeah. can if he can become a good three-point shooter and just work on his distribution a little bit, yeah, he'll be up there because the steals numbers are there. Like, people who value defense will love DeJounte Murray. Um you know, I mean, if you're going real far down the list, I think Wendell Carter is kind of interesting just from, you know, I know he's competing with Mo Bamba for minutes, but if he can somehow get like 32 minutes a game and he's been just so disappointing so far that if he can put it together on this te- on the Magic team, um, that will be that'll be good for him. But their team might be like too awful to for him to realistically win. Yeah, that, that's that's very possible. Uh, let's talk coach of the year and then we can get out of here. Uh, Steve Nash opens as the favorite nine to one, or excuse me, co-favorite Eric Spolstra also at nine to one Quinn Snyder, 10 Billy Donovan, 10 Steve Kerr, 10 Monty Williams, 11 to one Frank Vogel, 12 to one Michael Malone, 14 to one Jason Kidd also at 14 to one in Dallas, Nate McMillan at 15 to one in Atlanta. Um, does anybody jump out to you here? I think, I think Michael Malone and Nate McMillan are interesting. Um, off the top of my head, Malone, just because with Murray out for probably like half the year, um, if the Nuggets can somehow hover around that like two to four range in the West still with basically only Jokic and like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Like, I think he has a really good chance. Um, now I think there'd be the problem of everybody just saying, well, it's actually Jokic. Like Jokic is the one doing this. Like maybe people will just be more on like Jokic to win back to back MVP. Um, I think if the, 
if the Hawks can basically do again what they did this year and maybe even improve, like if the Hawks can somehow uh, finesse into like the third seed or like, you know, somehow nab the second seed, like if everyone on their team stays healthy and takes a step forward, then I think he's very much in the conversation because he's already built up so much goodwill um, just in terms of like his reputation mm-hmm. from what the Hawks were able to accomplish in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Ime Yudoka in Boston, you know, as far as first year coaches go, inheriting a pretty good roster that that has a pretty high floor. I, I think he has a decent chance. Taylor Jenkins at 22 to one. I mean, essentially the argument for him is the same as the argument for John Morant to be the most improved player. Like if they take a big step forward, I think he's a guy that already has a lot of positive momentum behind him. He's been in the mix for this award the last couple of years. Um, and if they really take that next step forward to you know, a team that could potentially win a first round series, I, I think he would be almost an easy choice at that point. I agree. How do you feel about Carlisle at 28 to one? Just like on, just based on from a narrative pedigree, perspective, maybe. Yeah. Just based on his pedigree, the narrative, I yeah. think Indiana really underperformed. Like I might be one of the people who's highest on Indiana's roster. Like I think they could be a four seed without like much mm-hmm. issue at all. So, I mean, if they're able to do that, I think Carlisle has, like plenty of opportunity to win um, plus yeah. 2,800. I think a really good number. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I mean, as somebody who obviously is, is proven he's won this award before. Um, and, and even though they've had a lot of like really bad injury luck the last couple of years, guys getting hurt at, at inopportune times, if, if they do stay healthy this year, and like you said, if they finish as the fourth or fifth team in the Eastern Conference, I don't think a lot of people are going to have the, the rationality about him to be like, oh, it's because they finally stayed healthy. It'll be like, no, they went and got Rick Carlisle back, and that's why. Right. And that would become the dominant narrative. Yeah, there, there'd be a similar narrative. Well, not similar narrative, but someone like Nick Nurse at plus 4,500, you know, if Toronto can sure. overperform. Because Toronto has, like, zero expectations. Um, and I think this award is this, – this reward relies so heavily on expectations um, that – you know, getting someone like Nick Nurse or, um, you know, because I think you have to, I mean, you obviously have to make the playoffs and probably be, unless it's a Tom Thibodeau situation, you know, you probably have to be a top four seed. Um, so it's a team that you maybe could make the biggest jump possible. You know, I think Billups mm-hmm. is in that conversation as well, just because of the Damian Lillard uh, situation. Yeah. If they're able to, you know, uh, essentially fix that and turn into a good team, then he's he's obviously on the board as well. All right, we'll end it on this. The Brooklyn Nets are still title favorites. They're plus 210. Lakers are plus 380. Bucks plus 850. You got the Warriors at 10 to 1. Uh, and then a bit of a jump down to Utah, Phoenix at 16 to 1. Uh, one, who's going to win the title as of right now? And two, what's your favorite NBA Finals bet at this point? Uh, I'm still sticking with the Nets, but I will say that the Lakers are, they're, convincing me um because i think i know i've said this like four times this podcast but their depth is crazy what they were able to do in the offseason just from they improved their top end talent and their depth they only need like two of the five guys they got to pan out um and they have plenty of different options like for the playoffs like to you know they can go they can go big they can go small so they they're really fascinating to me so by the time the nba season actually starts you know there's reason for me to change my pick to the lakers but I don't think it will be anybody aside from those two teams. Um, in terms of other like favorite bet on the board, um, 
it still might be the 76ers for me at 18 to one, just given Embiid's talent. Maybe they can trade uh, Simmons and just get a better fit because I think Embiid has the. I mean, Embiid finished second in MVP voting. Like he's that good, and they still have a good team around him. Um, it's tough to it's tough to pull the trigger on that with the Simmons situation, but I think that to me is the last team that I feels like value to me. Um, I don't know. How about you? Same question. Yeah, Philly's Same interesting questions. because there's there's a chance that that number shrinks dramatically if they if they're able to pull off like a Damian Lillard trade, right? So like there's there's a pretty decent chance that 18 to one is the best number that you're going to get them at. I I wouldn't really feel comfortable betting any team beyond Philly. Uh, if I had to, it'd probably be Miami at 28 to one, but it would only be because I have to. I wouldn't feel good about it. I, you know, I think my favorite overall bet is probably Milwaukee at plus 850. And, you know, you'd like to get maybe a little bit more value when you're talking about how dominant um, Brooklyn and, and the Lakers could be. Um, but I, I mean, Milwaukee's obviously the defending champion. I, I think they they definitely didn't get worse this offseason. I, I think there's an argument to be made that they got better. Um, bringing in, you know, someone like a Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale, you know, you, you're, you're obviously not going to get a ton out of those guys. But um, I, I think letting P.J. Tucker walk was the right move. I think they're now a little bit deeper, at least with just competent NBA players than they were at the end of last year when it felt like they were down to like six and a half guys. Um, I, I think they'll be, you know, at worst, just as good as last year. Are they still going to need a, a, a break similar to the one that they got last year in the playoffs to repeat as, as champions? Most likely. But I, I also think that's that could potentially be in the cards. You know, I mean, that the Nets are for as great as they are when healthy. I mean, they're somewhat of a fragile entity, uh, despite all the talent. And, and who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers? You know, I, I, I'm not ready to say that they're, you know, just going to be this team that runs through the West. I think there's a, a scenario in which that's the case. But I, I don't think we can just pencil those teams in like this isn't, you know, 2015 through 2018, where you could just say it's, it's going to be Cavs Warriors. Let's just fast forward. Right. Yeah, I I don't think you would feel bad about holding that Bucks ticket. Um, you're right. They did get better. I mean, they're going to have DiVincenzo back. I think the Grayson Allen pickup was really, really nice for them. Um, you take a flyer on someone like Hood, who has like six man upside if he can stay healthy. George, getting George Hill back, he might be a little overrated at this point, but definitely like a good guy to have around as a steady backup point guard. And I'm relatively optimistic about Ojale. But the the thing about him is he at least like he fills the exact void that disappear when they let P.J. Tucker go. He's just this like huge wing that, that you can just send out there to guard the other team's like best player um, and not have him really do much else. So, yeah, I think eight to one is is fine for the Bucs. Um, I don't think that's a bad bet at all. All right, man, this was fun. Glad to connect with you again after, I mean, just a grueling seven days uh, <laughs> without talking NBA. But we'll be back later this week. So much more futures. Uh, to dig into. Um, and man, our preseason content is going to start kicking up very soon. Uh, we, we got the content schedule all set. Um, and, you know, for, for as weird and long as this last NBA season felt like it's going, it was, um, it's going to be nice to be back on the normal schedule, but we do not have much of an off season. Like training camps are going to be in full swing in a couple weeks here. Yeah. Yeah. Next year will be the first time that we're going to get like a normal scheduled off season and like a normal flow of the NBA off season. So, um, but it's good for content. You know, we're pumping, we're pumping a lot. Yeah, we are fingers crossed on that. You know, we'll see. I don't know what variant we're going to be on come mid October, (laughs) but 
hopefully for us that it means that we're not putting out like 50 uh, notes per day about which players are in and out of COVID protocols. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.